what do you see when you look into the mirror? Do you like what you see? Do you see someone who's made in the image of God? Or do you see someone who's flawed and you'd like to change that image somehow? How many of you like to look good? Right? All of us. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to look our best. But honestly, we all, to some extent, have some insecurities when we look in the mirror and we see what we look like on the outside. It was about 15, 20 years ago as I looked in the mirror, I started to realize there was more of me to look at. (laughs) And I had to understand that my metabolism was slowing down, my body was getting older, and there were some things of my image that I had to accept. And if we're not careful, we can allow the joy and the confidence we feel about ourselves to be sucked out of us, and we can let the mirror steal our identity. Thousands and thousands of people are allowing that to happen to them every single day. Our culture is so obsessed with outward appearance. We're obsessed with the way we look, with our image, And because of that, there is an identity crisis sweeping across the world. Michelle Graham has written a book targeted to women called Wanting to Be Her. She talks about how in 1959, there was a new kid on the block that became a cultural icon of what the ideal woman thought she needed to be. Anyone know who was born in 1959? Here's her picture. Barbie. You know what? Barbie was an anatomical freak. All right? If you did the math and you were to look like Barbie, to have legs like Barbie, you would have to be seven foot five. You'd have to have two ribs removed from each side of your chest cavity to have the hourglass figure that Barbie still has. She had no complexion problems, no body problems of any kind. She looked like the perfect woman. Now listen to what Michelle Graham writes. She writes, this is the image that has been marketed to young girls all over the world as an inspiration to womanhood, and we eat it up. Barbie has become a $1.5 billion a year industry. She says, now don't worry, I'm not on a Barbie burning crusade. I'm certainly no expert on the psychological effects of Barbie on young children. But I do know at a very young, young age, I myself bought into the idea, unless my Barbie wasn't physically perfect, she wasn't as good as the other Barbies on the block. In fact, she embarrassed me. Then she writes, as I grew into adulthood, I left Barbie, my Barbie behind, Barbie moved out, and Victoria's Secret moved in. 
There's nothing quite like a glance at a Victoria's Secret catalog to invoke a flood of insecurities and feelings of disappointment. A survey found that 70% of women felt depressed, guilty, and shameful after looking at a fashion magazine for only three minutes. It only takes a flip of a remote control to see that our culture makes a very clear statement, and we have bought into a lie, a lie that says our value is directly proportionate to our physical attractiveness. Our value is directly proportionate to our physical attractiveness. The result, people are consumed with outward appearance and will go great lengths to achieve physical perfection. The cost of maintaining beauty and the expenditure of beauty products and treatment in the United States alone is over $59 billion annually. Literally from head to toe, every part in between, people are nipping and tucking, reshaping and lifting, implanting and injecting. All proof that we have bought into a lie that says, you must look a certain way, you must be attractive in order to be fulfilled. It means I'll be accepted, I'll be admired, I'll be respected, I'll be loved, I'll be significant, I'll have great worth, guys will want me, girls will want me, employers, employers will hire me, friends will want to be with me, yeah, friends will want to be me. And as a result, especially when it comes to plastic surgery, the you your friends may want you to be isn't the real you. The mirror has stolen your identity. Professionals pay big bucks to make are, are paid big bucks to make stars and models look great. Believe it or not, there is duct tape and strategic. Uh-huh strategic positions that you will never see. They paint on makeup to make it look like they have a six-pack instead of a two-liter, <laughs> right? Photos are airbrushed. The result is we see a completely phony image. No one really looks like that. And most of us can't even come close to those images that we see. Genetically, our bodies can't pull it off, and in many cases, it wouldn't even be healthy to try. But unfortunately, the lie that our value is directly proportionate to our physical attractiveness gets reinforced and pounded into us every single day. And young girls, especially, are literally dying to fit that image. Ever since sin entered the world in Adam and Eve, and the shame that was felt at that time, and they found fig leaves to cover up, ever since that day, we've been trying to cover up our shame as well with all kinds of things. We've been trying to recreate another image, an image that is based on what our world says. And let me tell you, when we do that, it pushes us further and further and further away from God. It pulls us further away from the truth that we are loved. 
We are accepted. We are secure. We are significant simply because we were created and made in the image of an almighty God. What would happen if we were to replace the world's words with the words of a loving Heavenly Father? Would it make a difference? You bet so. And what I want to do this morning is give you some scriptures straight from the mouth of God. We're going to call these, if you picked out an outline in the lobby, we're going to call these victorious secrets. All right? Four, yeah, thanks. There you go. Look at that. Four things you can do to stop your identity from getting stolen by the mirror. Number one, know what God says. Know what God says about you. We spend so much time clicking on the internet, going through social media, watching reality TV shows, and comparing ourselves to the way they look and what they say. And we're not careful, we can sit back and think, man, if I only could look like that. When we should spend more time clicking through Matthew, flipping through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hearing how Jesus is described. And saying to ourselves, wow, if I could only look more like him, if I could only more look more like that. And when you start to know what God says about you, your image starts to change. Here's a scripture to start with, Psalms 139, verses 13 through 14. Let's read this together. Let's read this out loud from the screen. For you created... And if you've paid attention this week, this scripture has been seen in the past few days more than any other scripture probably has. Because this is one of the main scriptures we point to to celebrate that through God's power and God's presence, Roe versus Wade has finally been overturned, right? We celebrate that. We praise that. And I praise that Ohio is a state that is enforcing a law that life begins at the heartbeat, where I believe, of course, it begins in, at inception, where God creates. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate life. We praise God and pray that it continues to move in that direction. This verse also celebrates us, pointing that you are a unique creation created by the master artist and designer. You, you are a masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a masterpiece. Our ethnic heritage, the color of your eyes, the color of our skin, the shape of our face, the curl of our hair, your body is not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. God never messes up. God has created you as his masterpiece and sees you as that. When you look in the mirror, his fingerprints are all over you. You are his. And when you know what God says about you, you know that you are already accepted. 
Last week we talked about another scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, where Paul says, I pray that you, that you may have power to grasp, that means to apprehend, to capture how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. Paul says, don't just do the cliff note version here. Really, really know how high, how low, how wide, how deep the love of God is for you. Grasp a hold of his unfailing love, which means let it eat all the way through you. God's love is a one-size-fits-all. And you don't have to buy into the lie anymore that I'm not going to, and you're not going to let some magazine cover or bathroom scale or mirror on the wall determine your identity. But we're going to let God's words, God's image determine our identity. And let me just say, when you know the truth about you, when you know you are loved with an unfailing love, and you really come to grips with what God says about you and how God feels about you, and you let that eat all the way through you, your life will begin to change. It will affect what the way you drink, the way you love, the way you laugh, the way you exercise, the way you play, and the way you work. When you know how God literally feels about you and you grasp a hold of it, and you memorize that. Second, see how God sees. Learn to see how God sees you. It's one thing to look beautiful. It's another thing to be beautiful. In the old movie, As Good As It Gets, Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson was, were in the movie. Jack Nicholson plays a guy by the name of Jack. He's a neurotic guy, and he comes to the restaurant often where Helen Hunt works. And in the movie, Helen Hunt looks at him and says, you know what? When you first came in here, I thought you were handsome. I thought you were handsome. But then you opened your mouth. <laughs> anybody know anybody like that? So beautiful, gorgeous, handsome on the outside. But on the inside, it's a totally different thing. And that's where God looks. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, When God asked Samuel to look for the next king, Samuel went for the tall, good-looking guys first. And God says, Do not consider their, his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things a man looks at, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? The heart. The heart. If we're going to get a handle on this whole beauty obsession, this whole body image, then we need to learn how God sees us and accept that. Good place to start is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. Here's what Peter wrote. It's written specifically to women, but guys, we can jump in here too. Your beauty or your handsomeness should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your what? 
Yeah, inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, that scripture say you shouldn't wear earrings or gold jewelry? No, no. Didn't say you shouldn't wear cool clothes. Doesn't say that. It said your beauty shouldn't depend on those things. Your beauty should come from the things of God, inside out kind of things. And the Word of God, if you read it, has some great fashion tips. It has some hot new trends, not only for this season, but for every season. Here's some. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, here they are, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord, what? Forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on what? Louder. Love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Dress in the wardrobe that God's already chosen for you. When you get up in the morning, think, oh, what am I going to put on? I'm going to put on kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I think it would really help us if we would walk around to people and say, you know what, Joe, that humility looks good on you. Really does. You know what, Christine, that gentleness, man, it just shines through you. It is amazing. And that compassion, Steve, that you have, man, thanks for that. It makes the whole world better. When's the last time, instead of walking up and say, hey, man, I love those shoes. You say, hey, man, I, I love that humility you've got. We can encourage each other with the things that God wants us to see and that God sees. Know what God says. See how God sees. Third, love who God loves. If you want to really want to get a grip on the obsession with yourself, you've got to take your eyes off yourself. Let me say that again. If you want to get past the obsession with the mirror, you've got to take your eyes off the mirror and put them on to someone else. Start serving other people, loving other people. If you're obsessing with the way you look, Get up and love your neighbor. It's hard to be obsessive about the way you look, obsessive about the way you look when you're serving in a nursing home, clipping the toenails of an 85-year-old arthritic, arthritic woman. You don't really care what your hair looks like at that moment. You don't really care, care if you're underneath the hood of a single mom's car, fixing it for free. As you're fixing the car, you're not thinking, man, when's the next time I need to get my hair colored or my teeth whitened? You're not obsessed because you're losing yourself in another person. We're going to have a mission trip coming up here soon at the next month to Africa. And I've been on a lot of mission trips in the States, outside of the States. And you know what I love about it the most? The people on that mission team don't wear makeup. 
When they get up, they don't really care about their hair. They put a hat on. And I think that's got something to do with the heart change and the attitude that takes place on those trips. Because we're not so concerned about what we look on the outside. We're just concerned about loving and serving other people. Love who God loves. Isaiah 58, 7 and 8, the message says this. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. I love that. You want the light to come into your life? You know, stop looking and living in the darkness. See who God sees. Love who God loves. Finally, reflect who God is. That's why we were made. We were made to reflect the image of Jesus Christ and the glory of God to a dark, dark world. When you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit moved into your heart, moved into your life. And therefore, your life is never going to be, is never to be the same. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Isn't that cool? God didn't purchase you off of a rack at Marshall's. All right? God didn't purchase you off of a rack at a hand-me-down shop. God purchased you with the ultimate high price of his only begotten son. You could not be worth more. And God says, you know what? That's what, you, that's what you're worth. And I'm going to move into your life. In fact, your body is going to become my temple. And therefore, when we look at who we are and reflecting who God is, we say, my body is the temple of God. So I'm not going to trash it anymore. I'm not going to be critical of it anymore. I'm not going to knock myself down because of imperfections because I am going to let my life reflect the glory of the one who created me. Remember the shows like Extreme Makeover? Not the house edition, but there have been all kinds of shows where they take a picture of someone before and then they show you a picture of who they are after and they look like totally different people. A few weeks ago, we were watching some old movies, old, old movies that were passed around the family on my wife's side. And they were actually so old that I was young enough that Bree and Brent, our kids, were like four and five years old, really young. And they were all the way up seven, eight, nine years old, some of these. And the grandkids were watching it with us and looking at it. And that's the first time they saw me back at that age, all right? And we're watching these, and they go, who's that? <laughs> yeah. Who's that? 
Well, that's me. Pat, Pat, no way. That's not you. You don't look anything like that. Talk about building up your image, right? <laughs> Hang around the grandkids for a while. And you know what? My clothes hung on me a whole lot better back then. A lot younger, a lot skinnier. You know what I really desire? I desire that when people look at me, when people look at you, they see the before and after pictures of when the Holy Spirit entered your life, when Jesus came into your life, because that's ultimately what matters. Back then, I had a whole lot more hair. I wasn't balding in the back, as my wife tells me I am. But there were times I was ugly to the bone. I was trim and in shape, but there was times I was insensitive to people. Yeah, my clothes hung on me pretty well, but I often dressed myself in anger and pride. I let the mirror many times in my younger years distort the image of who I was and God happens to everybody, and it can steal your identity. Let me tell you, the closer I drew to God and the more I let Jesus fill that hole in my heart that we talked about last week, through the years, I've had countless reconstructive surgeries done by the Holy Spirit in my life. And he's done an extreme makeover many, many times. And you know the good news? He's not near done. He's not near done. And when I stand in front of the mirror, I can honestly say, I can't wait till tomorrow because in him, I'm getting better looking every day. Right? I can't wait till tomorrow because when I stand in front of the mirror, in him, I'm getting better looking every day and so are you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Paul writes, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's far more to this life than meets the eye. And what doesn't meet the eye is so much more important. Know what God says See how God sees, love who God loves, and reflect who God is. And one more reminder of who God says you are. Watch this video. To the broken and to the hurting, to the desperate and to the defeated, to the common, the average, the plain and the small, I want you to know you matter to God. To the washed up and the worn out, to the helpless and the hopeless, to the cast outs, the dropouts, the last picks and hypocrites, to the unimpressive and the underwhelming, to the nobodies and has-beens, to people just like me, you matter to God. You are not defined by your worst days or your biggest mistakes. And you are not the sum total of all your setbacks, slip-ups, failures, and faults. Because who you are is not determined by what you have, where you've been, or what you've done, but who Jesus declares you to be. 
you matter to God. Maybe at some point somebody told you something that simply wasn't true, that you're nothing but unworthy, unwanted, and unloved. But I want the loudest voice in your ear to be the voice that breaks the cedars and shakes the wilderness. And he says, you matter to me. Before the galaxies were born, or the first star gave light, before the ocean waves crashed or the night sky cracked with thunder, before any creature crawled or any bird sang, before the planets were set in motion, he set in motion the plan of your salvation. From the highest heights of heaven, the Lord of all creation looked upon your desperation. He became like one of us to remake all of us, to make an orphan his child, to make a rebel his friend, to set the prisoner free. You matter to God. So to all the sons and daughters of God, to all my brothers and sisters in Christ, behold his power and glory and majesty. Behold the one who matters most.